Imagine how much you'd learn if you could ask your personal heroes anything you want about their life and their secrets to success. In each episode, we get to do that. This is the Playground Broadcast. Where everyone plays and no day is the same. Hi everyone, today we'll be meeting Davis Sahani, the founder of Ascend Now, a startup dedicated to the cultivation of personalized curriculums based on students' preferences as opposed to the traditional top-down approach. Davy founded her company in 2018 and has since then achieved multiple milestones, appearing on Forbes and TEDx. Her journey as a young woman entrepreneur is a source of incredible inspiration, and she believes that every student has the potential to succeed. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Here. So exciting. What a cool project this is. I actually told a couple of other women entrepreneurs about this. So I'll give you their contact if you want to add them to the list of people to interview oh yeah that's perfect that really works out thank you how is everything though where are you right now are you in uh singapore or or i the last i heard i think you were in singapore yeah all is well you know i am in in belgium how are you doing how is your i mean this is sort of the biggest year for you right how are you yeah this is is it's a huge year it's very nerve-wracking just figuring it all out i think is the big thing for me like i'm good at time management it's just that like i need to panic before i do anything yeah um let's just go into it so how did you come up with the idea of your business and like what gap did you want to fill in the market really you know i i didn't i don't think i had like a a clear plan as, as much as I wish I could say I was like smart enough. I, I certainly did, but I've always been like fascinated by education. I've always been, you know, part of the education system myself. I always felt that things could be better, whether that's, you know, teachers being more motivating, students mm-hmm. being more involved in what they yeah. learn, why they learn, students like you doing these amazing finding these amazing businesses focused on your passions, right? More yeah. of that should happen. That was kind of my motivation. Um, but I've been, I've been in education in the sense for like more years than the company has been alive. Because when I was in college, I started a company for college students, tutoring college students at Georgetown. Yeah. And uh, I realized there was a huge gap, you know, because peer-to-peer learning, like it's so underrated. I would love to learn from my best friend, you know? So that was kind of where it started. But then when I started to send out, it was more filling the academic pedagogical gaps, as well as the fact that like students really don't know themselves. I didn't know myself until I was like 23. Mm -hmm. So I felt that we could have done more work in self-awareness. And that's why I feel really passionate about courses like entrepreneurship students like you starting these businesses because you get closer to figuring out who you are yeah so it was really just an amalgamation of like having this creating this different sense of motivation in the educational industry and then like finding yourself and making sure that other people like relate to that struggle and you know helping other people right exactly it was more like a a series of things. It wasn't just one moment where I was like, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a series of observations plus a series of like frustrations. At yeah, the system. yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. So did you like know that you wanted to do this in like high school or like you got this idea like out of the college, like when you created that company for college tutoring? Definitely not in high school. Uh, honestly, I had no idea what I was going to do in high school. I didn't think I would even work. I didn't think I wanted to work. I thought I, thought I wanted to be a poet. Um, I was really into poetry. I mean, I thought I would just sort of make my money off poetry and like write in a book and this and that. It's pretty random. But that was really what my thought process was like. And then in college, I also like didn't really know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I don't think anyone knew. My family is so shocked that I'm an entrepreneur. I don't think that was like, you know, something that they expected. But that being said, I think, I think it was more like the obsession or the problem me become what I did rather than me saying I want to be an entrepreneur. No, yeah, I see. That's, that's really, I mean, honestly, inspirational in a way, because I can like, if I relate the frustration and the stress to like what I'm going through right now, I can see the, like, the journey of like, you know, you're a bit lost and confused. And then eventually it worked out and it, it, it created something so beautiful. Like, like you're able to help people who, who 
who have so much potential and students who really can get to amazing colleges and create something wonderful for the world. And I think that's amazing. So how and when did you find and recognize yourself in your passion? I'm pretty sure that's similar to the question, but is there any more like in-depth detail that, you know, you were like, this is my passion. Education is like what I want to do. It's what I want to spread. Because I know the company is beyond, goes beyond more than just like, you know, providing education. I think you help students deal with the the stress that comes with it, the time management, like finding yourself and advocating for what they need uh, beyond just academics, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that that decision was more organic. We started the company mainly supporting students and academics. And then we realized, holy cow, there's so many other areas that we can help students in. And so we decided to expand to time management, entrepreneurship, public speaking, executive functioning, motor skills, right? All these different pieces that can really improve and, and get someone closer to who they are. In terms of like finding my personal self, I think I'm still working on that. Like, I don't think you have that moment where you're like, okay, I, hi, I understand myself. I think you're constantly evolving and we are sort of a series of moments, right? We're a snapshot yeah. of moments, good, bad moments, easy moments, hard moments. And I think that entrepreneurship is a really cool vehicle to figure out who you are, which is why we teach that to kids, because it can help you understand what kind of mindset you have, how you tackle problems, etc. But I, I still feel that, you know, you're constantly evolving and you react differently to different situations, etc. And it's really important to work on yourself constantly. I work on myself a lot. Um, I try to analyze myself. What can I do better? What what have I done good? How have I changed? You know, et cetera. And, and I think that piece I recently learned, like maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like when you talk about entrepreneurship, is it, was it scary? Like, because, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're finding yourself, you're finding your passion and you know what you want to do, but you're like, there's always a risk factor, you know? And I feel like a lot of people they stop at that risk factor because of the fear that's there. You know, like, what if I don't make it? I mean, what if, what if this idea is stupid or what if like, what if I have so many other opportunities and what if I'm just wasting my time? You know, like there's a lot of questions that go through the mind. I just want to know your thought process. Like, how did you navigate through that? Did you have those questions in your mind? What you said is so important, right? Fear. Fear drives our decisions so many times, more often than not. I think fear drives our decisions as students and fear drives our decisions as adults. And I think that that's really uh, something that you learn via entrepreneurship to avoid that fear or rather to embrace that fear. Uh Um, The reason we use entrepreneurship as this vehicle is because it allows students to fear, but it allows students to fail as well. Fail in the most healthy way of failing. Fail in the sense that I failed, but I've learned this about myself. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, really powerful. I think maybe reflecting on your podcast project, you know, you may have gotten some no's, you may have gotten some yeses, you may have gotten some yeah. different reactions. Right. Mm-hmm. And that hopefully has helped you kind of turn into this person and be like, okay, maybe I can do this professionally. Maybe it won't be a yeah. podcast. Maybe it'll be a live stream. Maybe it'll be this. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that process is so intangible. It's like hard to quantify, but it's really, really important, right? And it happens differently for everyone. It's very unique. No, yeah, I see. So it's like the the fear is kind of like the investment that you make for the reward of like discovering who you are after you fall or if even if you rise, you know, that like making that decision is should always be like there should be no question beyond like should I do it or should not should I not you know I think it's like it's important for a lot of people to learn that if you have an idea if you have a a creative like gap that you want to fill in any market any field any industry I think that that fear should like like you said it's a, it's a driving force and it, it it more often than not I feel like it's underrated because in this in today's world the competition is so strong that it usually consumes people and that fear instead right. of driving them in the right direction, it, it, it drives them away from it. You know, like they, they run, they run in the opposite direction of their dreams and of that potential that they can actually put out in the world. And 
I think that the fact that you said it so perfectly, like it, it healthy failure is so important to grow. I think, especially because like I'm in my last year of high school. So as a high school student, I can say that like, of course, I failed so many times. I've probably gotten a lot of C's, a lot of B's, but I've also learned to manage my GPA, manage my grades. And that's because I failed. That's because I've learned that, oh, this, this studying technique is not for me. You know, maybe I should exactly. do this way. That's the same with entrepreneurship. I think the analogy is so similar, you know, because you're thinking that maybe this idea isn't for me or maybe this isn't for me or maybe I should try it a different way. And I think that it's very important to implement that in life as well. And sometimes I get scared from doing that. It's like that's like one of my bad habits. Like usually when I'm scared of something or if I if I have an idea or a question, I'll run away from it if I think it's stupid and that's the thing my assumption doesn't matter i think because in the in in the grand scheme of things it it really is helpful to learn and constantly grow and evolve from the fear that you of failing and falling you know and i think the way you put it here you're so mature i mean a lot of students your age right you're what 18 17 18 yeah 17 17 okay so when i was 17 i couldn't talk like this I can tell you that I, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of my failures. I wasn't aware of myself. I wasn't aware of, I didn't have this, this self-awareness level that you possess. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, how you were raised and what experiences you've been. And maybe some of it has to do with the more recent years and your, your experiences there. But that's critical in, in success, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's about who you are, what you, deemed to be successful? What What is here's definition or Davy's definition of success? And then how do I realize that, right? Maybe you don't have seven fives in your APs, but you have charisma, you have EQ, and you have self-awareness. These are social skills possessed by all CEOs. You know, there was an article in Fortune or I think Forbes about um, CEOs' uh, necessity for social skills. Right is yes. much, much, much higher than the the need for other skills. Yeah, it's important, super to be important, and recognize because that's really the recipe for success. I feel like doesn't matter what you define as success. If if success is money, if success is helping creating an impact, or if success is whatever your definition of success is, I think that it's important to recognize that at some point there's a line between how intelligent you are on paper and how you can translate that intelligence to an emotional conversation or a conversation recognizing what where you're wrong. It's very important to place yourself in the world the way that you place other people. Like, for example, you can take Beyonce, you can take Malala, you can take Michelle Obama. You place these people in the world as successful people but where do you place yourself when you have a exactly you know like and and that's important you you it's important to recognize your successes your failures and where you want to be in life and creating that balance and that schedule that accommodates for all three of those things and you know i think a lot of people want to create a schedule that doesn't accommodate for failures they don't want to fail but the importance is in failing that's where you find the the middle ground. Exactly. And and you you're so right. I think that that defining piece is so important. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, that you don't learn at school. You yeah, don't learn how to do that at all. That's so important, right? So so these are things you're supposed to learn via but you if you focus on it, you can learn it much quicker and then you're not in the position as I was or some of my friends were at 23 feeling stuck feeling confused, yeah. feeling what career choice is right for you. Yeah. No, yeah, I see that. Okay, what challenges have you faced while trying to implement the business so far? And how have those obstacles shaped you? I don't know. How many hours do you have <laughs> to answer that question? Um, no, so many. I mean, it's inevitable. Like, you know, as a as founder, and you probably experience this too, there's so many issues, right, that pop from... Sometimes they're obvious issues that you can predict. Most yeah. of the time, they're unpredictable. Most of the time, they, they fly from some other land and then they're in front of your face, right? Yeah. So I would say the most biggest obstacle was probably like making the plunge to start a company. Look, I was working at Goldman Sachs for three years and I moved, I mean, I left to become a tutor, essentially. 
Mm-hmm. And I was going home to home, door to door, tutoring families for like a good two years. Yeah. And so from the perspective of my parents or even my friends, like it's a huge difference from what yeah. kind of job I had before, what kind of pay I had before, right? I think that was like really um, a big change, right? But at the same time, I think it was it was worth it. And um, I, I think that was like one of the biggest risks you take as a founder is to basically start something with nothing, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that was a big obstacle. I would say um, other obstacles, obviously like convincing people that this is going to be big, this is going to be a success. Um, yeah. Can, this can also be really hard because you have to find the right teammates and the right yeah. partners. Uh, I've been very lucky in that regard, to be honest, but it's a huge struggle for a lot of businesses, I would say. I think uh, the other obstacle is it's really hard to switch off. You're always working. Like, even if you train yourself to go on a one-week vacation, you're working. Even yeah. if you're, like, sleeping, you're thinking about work. <laughs> when you're awake, you're thinking about work. You know, it's just all the time. Like, you enjoy it. It's like it's a drug. But, I mean, irrespective of your company is a billion-dollar company or if it's, like, a $10 million company or a $40 million company, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Every founder is kind of obsessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it becomes very difficult to relax and to switch off. I think that piece, that's, that's really tough. That's a sacrifice you make, um, with the support of your family, your partners, your loved ones, you know? But that, that I find probably the most difficult thing. Yeah. No, I can, I can definitely like say that from my experience, cause I have, my dad's a businessman. So like he's constantly working, you know, like there is no off day for him. Like he'll go to the office, he'll come back home at like, so I remember one time he came back home at like four in the morning and like it used to drive my mom crazy. <laughs> it still does. Mm-hmm. But he's so passionate about his job and he yeah. he loves working, but it's like that that middle ground that you find with like family and you find like with yourself and your job. I think you describe that really well, like that you can't turn yourself like away from what you're so proud of and what you've done because a, it's also like that that competition that you have with yourself. You're not competing with other people. You're competing with what you want to see and what you why you really started this, the purpose of why you started this and to see that purpose become a reality. And so yeah. I think it's hard to find that time to like be like, you know what? I just need to relax. I need to have a day off because you can't. You You, you have to work every day to make it a reality. And that's one thing like when I'm watching like successful podcasts like you know people interviewing elon musk or like bill gates they they worked their asses ass off like every single day and they barely got sleep and when i'm thinking of it from that perspective i'm like yeah i'm a hard-working student but would i be willing to put in so many hours to make some something a reality like that's that's really what people I think they they think that in, the only thing you need to be successful is just like an idea and just have someone execute it. But no, like you you have to work hard behind it. And I think that's probably one of the biggest obstacles of being an entrepreneur is creating that like distinction between working hard and a leisure. You have to yeah. really put yourself out there and hear no's and hear rejections. That's what like, I think creates an an entrepreneur and creates a business that that is known today people don't know how many times you've had to stay up or how many all-nighters you've had to pull to get things to work because the behind the scenes are always behind the scenes you know I think that's 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 a really important obstacle to recognize but the other thing I, I wanted to ask you is that you said you mentioned that you 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 left the job at Goldman Sachs was that like what drove that decision? Like, what, after you made that decision, did you regret it? Or, like, was it just straight up, like, you know, I want to do this and this is, I know it's going to be difficult and I'm just going to go ahead with it. Like, how did you navigate through that? Honestly, I don't regret it at all. But the reason I left Goldman Sachs had nothing really to do with me being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or me wanting to start some education. Fundamentally, this sounds really terrible, but I... I, I didn't like to be an employee. Yeah. I wanted to be my own boss. And every day at Goldman Sachs, we had our Goldman Sachs ID. 
uh, identity card to get into the building, to get into the lounge, the lunch, etc. And yeah. the on the on the card, right? There's this yeah. big word right next to my name, my picture, my photograph, saying employee. And okay. I would stare at that word like all the time. I would stare at it, and I just, I didn't, I didn't think that was for me. Not to say there's anything bad with being an employee. Don't yes. get me wrong. I think that with employ- being an employee, you there can be much, much, much more stubborn or much yeah. sorry, much smarter than an entrepreneur. It doesn't mean that at all. But mm-hmm. some people, I fundamentally believe, are designed to create their own rules, designed to create their own roads, their pathways. And maybe the path will be like five years longer than someone else who spent 10 more years at Goldman Sachs and then starts a business. Yeah. It's very likely. But I had basically this inclination that I was not born to be an employee. I was born to be my own boss. Today, would I be an uh, employee? Probably would be very difficult. I don't think mm-hmm. I could. Like, I don't think I could um, be in a company where, you know, I have a boss, et cetera. But it's possible. It happens with some of the best entrepreneurs. They sell their company and then they're working for someone else with the acquire a uh, company, right? Yeah. Fundamentally, I did not really like that. Yeah, I see. So you, like, always knew that you that a desk job wasn't for you, I guess. Yeah, right? I always knew. Yeah, I always knew, like, my road was for me to create. Like, I've never really, like, how do I put this? I've always sort of really fought for what I want. Like, mm-hmm. I very rarely got in, like, you know, here's a job, here's Goldman Sachs. I spent two years prepping for my interviews, two years, which is, like, what a lot more than what other people prepare. Mm-hmm. I networked. I spent time learning finance. I spent time learning accounting. I spent time... Um, I was traveling to New York almost every weekend to meet people from Goldman Sachs to yeah, understand yeah. how do I get a job here. Like, I was really, like... You know, that's what when I you know, speak to students, I try to encourage them to network because I think it's super important. Yeah, but, like, it wasn't handed to me on a silver plate. Here is Goldman Sachs, right? I yeah, went for it. So the role that I created, I thought I could create my own pathway, right? essentially for whatever job I apply for yeah now that I see like the that hard work like you know the importance of networking I think that's one of the again connecting back to the obstacles obstacles I think networking is one of the biggest like things an entrepreneur biggest assets to an entrepreneur's business being able to connect with people being able to talk with people and remain like composed in a conversation about your company and what you really hope to see is like is very important it's a skill that I think it's an obstacle for many people because a lot of people they they have the great idea they just they don't know how to network they don't know how to talk about it because it's it's like in their own head they're like oh this this is an idea but like I'm not sure like if this person will be able to like understand it or if this and that that happens with most of the the greatest ideas you know like with a lot of good ideas it's it's always hard to like talk about it and I think that's that's a really important skill that you brought up that like networking and like not having things handed to you in a silver platter I feel really shaped you and your business as a whole and that's something to be proud of I think as as an entrepreneur you know but that being said what is something that you are proud of in your business um, I, it's interesting because I think we still have a really long way to go, but I would say that seeing students transform in the most positive ways is what I'm really proud of. I'll give you an example. Today's a Friday night, right? Yeah. Shouldn't be really working, shouldn't be, but two things tonight that were very exciting to me. One, I had a student who's, um, grade 10. She yeah. got like six A stars on her IGCSE. She's not an academic student at all. She was almost failing last year. She got six A stars. Oh, and wow. I took her out to dinner to celebrate. I I even made a small bet with her. I said last year, I said, if you do well, because the student would never take classes. She was so lazy, right? And she knows <laughs> that. She even agreed. She wouldn't take classes. So I said to her, please take classes and please do well. If you do well, I promise I'll do something for you. She said, what will you do? I said, anything you want. She said, okay, buy me an iPhone. She said, okay, fine. And so I agreed to that. Now it's one year later. She got 16 stars. So we went to the Apple store and I bought her an iPhone. Wait, really? You know? Yeah, seriously. Look, I don't do this for every student. It's not like a pattern or anything. But, yeah. you know, I wanted to motivate her, right? And I used the iPhone as a vehicle or she, she brought it, right, as an idea. 
And she's yeah. doing really, really well, right? So that made yeah. me super happy like, that she saw her potential. She was failing. She was asked to double the year. Oh, and then wow. she transformed from black to white, right? Yeah. So that, that made me really... So that's something I'm proud of. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for finding this organization and doing something super unique, right? Yeah. Um, I'm honored to be like talking on this um, <laughs> platform. I think it's super interesting. I think it's going to be something very huge, especially for teenage girls to kind of, you know, get inspired, right? And get connected. Yeah, that I think... I mean, I just, I don't even know what to say. Like, that's just amazing to be able to create an impact so big. Like, from I've, I've went through something similar. Like, you talked about the, from going from black to white. And I remember I was in sixth grade and I was, I, I was failing math. I, since first grade, I was sent to math support. And they were like, you're, you can't do normal math. You have to go to math support. So I had to sacrifice taking the language to go to math support every single day. And I ended up to the point where like, I never thought I would get out of it. I, even in sixth grade, I graduated from elementary school. I went to sixth grade and I was still in math support. I was still like struggling to understand. I was like, what is math? And by the time I got to middle school, I was taking band. So I had to sacrifice half my band period to do math, to go to math support. Oh my gosh. And, and it was like freaking torture. Like it was so torture because I just, I couldn't understand it. I was like, I don't know what this is. Come to the end of the final, final test. I failed that test. I talked to the teacher. She's like, listen, I'm sorry. You're going to have to do this class again. I was so devastated. I was like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Kill me. I thought, what am I going to do? Like, oh my God. And I ended up having to I actually did repeat the class, but I learned so many lessons like that year. Through that process. So life changing. Honestly, it was so life. It's one of the decisions that I think the school made that really, or like, I think, I don't know what happened that like, I'm so, so happy that I was forced to repeat that class because I ended up working so hard and I got a... 103% in that class. I ended up getting extra credit and I worked so, so hard. And they allowed me to skip some. That's amazing. Math. And I went to eighth grade math, but in eighth grade math, I failed again. I was like, so. Oh bad. my gosh. I don't know what it was. I just didn't understand it. And I was back on math before and I was like, maybe math's just not for me. I was like, I maybe I just passed sixth grade math because I repeated it. I don't know what's going on. I'm just horrible at math. Then I come to high school. I remember complaining to my mom the entire summer. I was like, mom, I don't want to go to school. She's like, why? Like, aren't you excited to go to high school? I'm like, no, I I have to take, there is no option of math support in high school. I have to do it on my own. How am I going to do it? What am I going to like, how am I going to navigate through this? What the heck? Like, yeah, it's scary, you know? And I ended up having to teach myself math. Luckily, I had a really good teacher. He was amazing. He would always answer like my stupid questions. I was like, what is one plus one? I didn't know anything. And he was really always there to help. But then Aww. I had to move. I had to move from Israel to Dubai. And that was one of the most life-changing like things that happened in, in, in my life. And mind you, when I was moving, I wasn't that confident in math. I mean, yeah, I got my grade up from like a C to a B, but that that wasn't, it wasn't amazing. But then I go to 10th grade. I started a new school, new people. And this is where my hard work pays off, where I, I used to teach myself math every day before my band concerts in the library. In ninth grade, I was always studying math. I was always teaching myself math. I was always finding, I was, I was figuring shit out for myself. And when I get to 10th grade, mm. it's a new new, completely new thing for me. And I'm taking algebra two and geometry together simultaneously. And school didn't recommend it. They were like, we don't recommend it. She didn't do that great on the test. We don't know. We're, we're like, you can override, but we, we don't. They had my mom sign. I have the override form. Like they literally had my mom sign. If something goes wrong and she fails, the school does not take responsibility. And my mom signed it blindly. She was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to sign it. I, let's see where she goes. And I ended up, mind you, this was hybrid learning. We were doing online learning. We were doing half the time we were in school, half the time we were online. I ended up getting an A in both of the classes. And I didn't think that was possible. 
But that's where the aspect of like working hard comes in. You start to recognize who you are and like that taking sixth grade math again really changed. And this is not like when I, when I tell people about this, I don't feel embarrassed because I'm so proud of where I've come. I took advanced pre-calc. Advanced pre-calc is one of the highest level math courses in my school. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I can't believe you can jump from there to there. I know. It's so like crazy for me to even think about taking advanced pre-calc. I, if only nine kids get selected for that class every single year. And I mean, out of, out of the 13 kids that were selected that year, three of them dropped out. So then it ended up, and, and one of them dropped out like after, after winter break. And it was like the fact that I survived that class, I got an A in that class. And now I'm taking AP calculus AB coming from taking math support every single day of elementary school of sixth grade. It's that concept of challenging myself that I really, really started to understand after I moved. I think after I moved, I realized that, you know, it really is up to me to like where my, where I decide, I can decide to make these the best three years of my life or the worst three years of my life. And I chose to make them as good as possible. I was like, you know, I can, I can either cry over the fact that I'm moving and that I don't know what I'm doing and that I'm scared, or I can you know, figure it out and and do make the best of it. And that's something I really hope that I don't want to sound cocky, but I hope it inspires other girls as well. Like that you can do whatever you want to do. And education is so like, it's so open to everyone that like, even if you're failing a class, all you need is motivation to pass. I believe that every single person out there can get an A in any class they choose to get an A in. And that is irrespective of like, so what What would you say is your unique selling point of your company? Uh, yeah, USPs are important. I would say, if, I mean, services aren't for everyone, that's for sure. But I would say our USP is personalized learning, mm-hmm. getting to know the students, figuring out how they operate, and then developing a program that matches exactly what they want to do, right? Want to start a business? We can do that. Want to improve your AP Langlet from three to five? We can do that. So it really depends program to program. But I would say personalize. That's the most important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I really did feel that when I was like doing it with you. Like I, I, it was very specified to what I what I wanted, what I needed. So I think that's that's really amazing about the company as well, which is very inspiring. <laughs> What advice would you give to other women in your industry? Okay, in in entrepreneurship, be persistent and bold. I think that's really important. I think as women, we sometimes shy away from saying what's uncomfortable, asking uncomfortable questions or, you know, kind of like softening everything, right? Mm-hmm. I think, actually, my mentor just told me this this week. She was saying that as women, you know, we... We, sh- we say what's right, but like six months later than when a match says it. Yeah. Right? So I think that's really important as kind of like a general thing that I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. I would say in my industry in education, you know, a lot of companies in education focus on, I think, the wrong things. They focus on what parents want to hear. They focus on what the market's doing. They focus on regurgitating information. But like, just focus on the one thing that's important as a student, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the most underrated. Like I spent so much time with students my first two years when I started this and I really miss it. I, I love working with students. I love, you know, I click with them. I love uh, understanding their needs. I think that's in my industry. I see a lot of companies in education. They have absolutely no way to engage with students. Uh-huh. They would ask students, how are you doing? Like, how is your day? How's your anxiety? <laughs> you know, these are like nothing, you know, be yeah. human, right? Yeah. Um, that's really, I think, really, really important. Do you think that, that you could consider that a gap in the industry? I, I would say so. I think there the, are the many gaps. Um, the gaps that are instituted by the system, the gaps that are instituted by schools or students or parents. But I think one of the biggest gaps is like, Clicking with students, engaging, conversing, befriending, you know, being a mentor. Like I when I started the company, I used the slogan, 
sports coach for academics because you always remember that one sports coach that changes your life, right? And so how do we take that coach and make him or her your academic coach? It is the mindset of that. That's, That's important. Well, speaking of that, if you could change one thing about your industry, what would it be? Emphasis on grades is probably the first one. Like, you know, student, again, I'm, I'm using you as an example, you know, because we're talking, but like a student like you, a college would admit in a second because you can think for yourself, you're opinionated, you're self-aware, you have self-awareness, you are entrepreneurial. But unfortunately, you know, the system still looks, is going to still look at one thing first, it's going to be your grades. The second thing first, your SAT, you know? So the system needs to change. It's not going to change today or tomorrow, maybe five years, 10 years. But I'm pretty sure that when you have kids um, 30 30 years from now, it will have changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so that emphasis on like having perfect transcripts and resumes, you think that like that's something that the industry should steer away from? Is that because like, you think that, I mean, a lot of people do think this, that grades don't really define a person's personality, right? I would say that grades don't define, yes. But how do we measure the softer elements, the personality, yeah. the authentic, authenticity? Yeah, I think like the U.S. does that better. Do that? Like, if, if you write an essay, I think a lot of college students will focus on what the colleges want to hear as opposed to translating what they really feel on paper. Exactly. Exactly right. And I think that that's the gap, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that I think the U.S. is a little bit more open than the U.K. or the Europe about who you are. I mean, the other sort of continents just care about your grades. Like, how well did you do? That's it. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. So I think the U.S. is a little bit more open. And I think that's great, a great first step. But we have a lot yeah. more steps to take, I would say. Mm-hmm. So what's something you wish you knew before getting into this stage in your life? Uh, I don't take over my life entirely. <laughs> That's one. Yeah, I mean, you better take care of your health, right? I think mm-hmm. in entrepreneurs, you know, we sometimes like sacrifice our health for more time to work, more time to do this. Health really comes first. And, you know, feeding your brain is as important as feeding your soul and your body. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do in balance. But I think th- those are important lessons you learn later on. Like some entrepreneurs do that at the very get-go, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a very hard thing to sustain over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So like speaking of that mental health and the emphasis on self-care, what keeps you going? Like how, if you are an entrepreneur, how do you stay mentally and inspirationally aligned? You have to always remember like why you do what you do, you know? What's your why? Fundamentally, our why is students, right? Like creating the best, the the most fearless, creative learners who know themselves. That's our mission statement. So you always come back and think about the mission statement. Think about how do I make it as big of a a mission as possible? Mm -hmm. Um, And get, you know, that's really, really important. Obviously, you know, you have partners, whatever stage you're in in a company. We have some amazing partners that, sort of help us grow they give us advice they give us guidance that's important too yeah um and taking breaks is important too i don't do enough of it but <laughs> everyone should do should take breaks you know kind of switch off mentally and that really detoxes your mind and detoxes like how you think and yeah, improves clarity. the way you think it gives you clarity exactly yeah. exactly right so what's one of the most life-changing pieces of advice or practices that you have implemented in your life? Life-changing. Okay, so I, I pray quite a lot. I'm uh, mm-hmm. religious in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm Sikh and I'm quite a strong yeah. believer in Sikhism. I think that's certainly like very life-changing for me. I've always been somewhat religious. Mm-hmm. I've seen the last four or five years, I've used it I, I mean I've kind of immersed myself in the culture so I think that and then exercise like you just gotta move yeah you don't move you know yeah, it's like yeah. really really important to me it's like a detox you know it's detoxing yeah. your brain although I'm like really not fit right now honestly. <laughs> I'm, just, 
<laughs> just inter- like terribly unfit. Um, but I have not been like in the last five years, I've always prioritized my fitness. Um, after getting COVID to my, in March, or no, not yeah. I get COVID a couple of months ago, I just my my stamina is just a joke. Like, I can't do anything. I can't do anything without like getting exhausted, you know. Yeah. So, but I I would say like the past four or five years, I've been really good about like prioritizing my fitness. Mm-hmm. I was I I have not like gone like three two weeks without working out, you know, okay. over a course of four or five years, uh-huh. maybe even a week without working out, at yeah. least a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's that's really really important. It depends on you know for some people it gives a high right. Some yeah, people yeah. work out to lose weight, to get abs, to get fit. I work out because it gives me like a detox of my brain. Yeah. And it's different for everyone. Like, you know, it could be spinning, it could be running, it could be yoga, it could be whatever, it could be meditating, right? Like it literally could be anything, but whatever it it works for you, just keep doing that. Yeah. So I think uh, you mentioned praying. Is that like a form of like, just for you to like self-discover or like just like a peace of mind for you? Like how do how do you view praying? Like that is that something that really does keep you mentally and inspirationally aligned? I mean, to me, like prayer is it's kind of it's not only spiritual; it's kind of like an immersive part of my identity. Um, mm-hmm. In in my religion, you have to pray to unite with God's name, right? That's yeah. the the emphasis. And so, in doing that, like you have to do a few things, like. Seva, which means service, is yeah. an important thing where you give back, right? You do, yeah. you, you do, and I honestly, like, I didn't do much of that, like, maybe five, six years ago. Now I do a lot more of it, but I do it because I want to, whereas a couple of years ago, I did it because it's part of my religion. Yeah. So I think my mindset has changed a little bit on that front. What um, drives that change in the mindset, really? It it could have been, you know, they say like once you see a little success, right? Mm-hmm. You start softening your edges a little bit. Could have been that. Mm-hmm. Could have been like, you know, when I started the company, I'm, I had like $8,000. That's all the money I had. I refused to take help from anyone. So mm-hmm. I didn't really see God in those days. <laughs> I mean, it sounds bad, but like I didn't really, I just saw like hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe it's that. Maybe it's COVID that just gave us more time. <laughs> um, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a series of things. But that the change has come like maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. It was just gradual, right? It was gradual. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like the point about working out. I think a lot of people should implement that, you know, just to instead of working out for an incentive, I think it should be important to have an a personal like just desire to stay fit and mentally it's that's that connection between mental stability or like just mental clarity and working out has not really been made so I think that's a very important thing that you brought up so um but moving on if you could create your own world what would it look like for women oh that's such a great question <laughs> that was a great question you came up with <laughs> uh, okay for women I would say that I would create a, a world where women are not necessarily looked down upon for the extremes. When I say the extremes are women are not looked down upon for being less educated or for being too educated or for being less independent or too independent <laughs> or, you know, not, not opinionated or bitchy enough, but too bitchy, you know? <laughs> so I think that, um, like, you know, fundamentally, I mean, like men, I mean, women can have whatever extreme they want to for all I'm concerned with, right? They can do whatever they want. But I think sometimes in our society, we, we name drop and we label women because of some of their attributes, right? And I think that's really, really problematic. And that's really, really, um, it's going to hurt the generations to come, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So we need to, we change that, right? Yeah. So just not having that, that labels and like, not like judging women, basically. Yeah, not, not, I mean, letting women do whatever the hell they want to do, you know, do you like, I think that's really important. I think, um, at least in my life, right, I've been labeled too ambitious, too independent, um, too stubborn, like too, I, I never hear like a man 
being too ambitious. Like yeah, I've never really I've heard, never heard that. that. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like it's like unheard of. Um, or a man being too independent. Right? Yeah, no, um, never. <laughs> actually, you know, here these conversations, like I, I've never really thought of these things. Like this question, I never really thought of this. Now I'm like, actually, like what, what I'm saying is just coming out of my head. I haven't really like spent yeah. time thinking through this, but I think that that is a really, really big problem we have as yeah. a society. And and in different cultures, of course, I know that in some cultures, it's, it's you know, it's better. But letting women be who they want to be. Yeah. Right? No yeah. labels. Just like, just do whatever. Why is it such a big issue? Like, why is gender such a big... Gender has nothing to do with sex. And I, I like, it has not... Sex has nothing to do with who you are. And, like, I just... I think that... And I, I hear so women big. get... You're, you're so right. And I hear women get, like, turned too... Oh, you you're too plumpy now. You're too skinny now. You're wow, like too frail now. That. Like I've heard, like the one thing that men always complain about is that oh, women women shade on us for our body, but it's like you do more than that to like every woman. Yeah, you, it's really. It's, I think it's a very big issue that you brought up. I, I agree. I really do agree. Um, but moving on, <laughs> since becoming an entrepreneur, what is something you've stopped taking for granted, or like in the last five years? I mean, what's something you've become better at saying no to and just sort of prioritizing yourself and what you want and, you know, stop taking things for granted and making time for those things? Uh, Family. Family is non-negotiable for me. Family or, you know, very, very close friends mm-hmm. uh, is, is non-negotiable. So it's, it's them always sort of coming first. Health and family are two things I have really stopped taking for granted. I think those those are two things that you know are really important to me. I'd say the four pillars for me are family, work, prayer, and health. Yeah. And family encompasses like you know friendships or partners or whoever yeah, it is. Yeah. But but I think that's like you know it's not either or. It can be encompassed in 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 different ways. But I think that's really something I try to you know I try to prioritize all four if I can. Yeah. That's, yeah, no, I, I see that, like, being a very strong foundation as, uh, like, who you are, because you, you have mentioned, like, having, uh, like, going to the gym, praying, and, like, making time for, like, yourself and the people you love, and I think that's very important foundation. I think a lot of people tend to just prioritize work, but I see that, like, it's important to have a balance of all things, you know? Um, Absolutely. Moving forward, in the last five years what is something you've become better at saying no to social things for sure like <laughs> i just don't go to anything if i don't want to do it and if i do say yes i know this sounds bad but if i do say yes and then i don't feel like going i will not go <laughs> because because i will obviously inform them yeah but I, will, I mean i will not like I will not drag myself into something that, like, I can't give my hundred percent to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I honestly. So do. I think that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like not always be your friends. Ask my mom. I'm like, if my mom thinks I'm a hobbit, she's like, you stay at home all day. <laughs> but that's. I mean, I think I'm like that too. I'm like a. You know, I prefer my own like solitude time. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I'm like a very, I'm a homebody. <laughs> like, it's not even, I'm not an entrepreneur or anything. I just don't go out. <laughs> but I think that's okay, you know. You're, it's like, it's your preference. That's your relaxed time. Some people get relaxed by, like, going out. Definitely not me. I get drained yeah. from going out. Yeah, same. <laughs> no, yeah, I think this was very, um, overall, thank you so much for, like, giving us your time. I really do appreciate it. I think this was a very enlightening conversation for me I love I am so passionate about these questions and I love talking and understanding other people's perspective and I feel like I also love like contributing to the conversation a lot because I have a lot to say about these topics and I'm sorry if I over over talk a lot but it's just it's so no form of passion for me 
it's amazing here you know you you have such a talent for 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 this and making your your audience feel comfortable i think mm-hmm. you should pursue this whatever you do in life i think you should for sure pursue something like this because i will firstly be a, a very active customer of your podcast <laughs> thank you i really do appreciate you like you saying everything and like it gives me also clarity on like what i want to do in life and like what my process is like the fact that you you mentioned like working out and praying i just finished an eight-day holiday of prayers where this and i asked my mom the reason behind this one day i yesterday i was so like just so curious as to why that one day was so important for us to pray out of all the eight days that we were in prayer and she told me she's like these eight days in in and of itself are just for for us to disconnect with the world. And I think when you mentioned praying, I was like, that's so similar to like what I was doing because I was so mm. busy working and like schoolwork and APs and SATs and this and that. And I decided that the day before my SAT, I was going to go and attend the prayer that was there at night. We had a prayer every day from six, like 6.30 to 7. And I like 7.30, I think. And I was always like reluctant to go because I was like, I'm so busy. I don't have time for this. But that going the night before my SAT, it gave me so much clarity on the day of my SAT where I was so peaceful and I was so disconnected from like just driving towards a specific square. I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do my best. And it is what it is. I think you've mentioned a lot of important things and this conversation really gave me a lot of clarity. So thank you. My pleasure here. I hope I wish you all the success. I wish you the best of luck. And I uh, can't wait to hear all the other um, podcast series. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. I feel like you need to go soon. So let's just wrap it up. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Playground from the Sun Now. This is your host, signing off. See you around. <laughs>